Uh, good morning. My name is Matt Miller. I'm one of the elders here at Northfield. Uh, I was supposed to preach last week, uh, had some back issues which laid me up, and Bill graciously stepped in and did a fantastic job. Many of you have contacted me, uh, prayed for me. Uh, thank you very much for that. They've, they've all helped. I'm upright again and here. Uh, to be honest, the Wednesday before I was supposed to preach, uh, Macy asked me for sermon notes and a title. Very reasonable request. Um, I'd been working on my sermon for almost two weeks, and uh, I was struggling. So I just told her, just run no notes, no sermon title. I, I think I'm going to scrap it and start over with about three days to go. Uh, and so Brian Hep overheard my interaction with Macy and uh, came into my office to pray for me, as any good co-worker would. Uh, the next day, my back went out, and I couldn't preach. I'm not blaming Brian, <laughs> but I'm simply saying that Brian prayed for me, and then I was an invalid. Um, so thank you for the prayer, Brian. Uh, speaking of prayers, let's, let's start off with one. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, I just pray that you'd speak to us through your word. Um, let nothing come out of my mouth this morning that takes away from your word or misrepresents it or anything, Lord. I just pray that your spirit would speak to us this morning. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you recall last week's sermon, Bill Teeter uh, talked about what trajectory, he asked what trajectory you were on. Um, he, he mentioned the Apollo 13, and they had to figure out their trajectory at re-entering the Earth's atmosphere. If you missed it, it's on our YouTube channel. I really encourage you to watch it. He shared about the wide and narrow path then, and he shared a personal story about him being on the wrong path and then how he got on the right path. So in a nutshell, Bill explained the gospel, which is the most important message in the entire Bible. I mean, the whole Bible, Old Testament and New, points to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, this morning, I want to maybe elaborate on, on what living on that narrow path looks like. So Bill talked about wide and narrow paths. Mine's going to apply mostly to the narrow path. So uh, I'm going to share with you what I feel is one of the most practical sections of Scripture in, in the Bible. Um, it can help in your walk and your growth as a believer. It can help you with discernment. Um, it's easy to understand. But before we get to the Scripture, I would like to uh, give you like an illustration. And I've, I've asked for a volunteer. I actually didn't ask a volunteer. I asked his dad if he would volunteer his kid for me. Uh, so this person was handpicked for his prowess at being a volunteer. Um, so Warren Stuber is going to come up and help me. So Warren, if you wouldn't mind standing right there and kind of face the crowd. I've got to get a Kleenex here quick. Uh, why don't you come on up to the top step? Um, yep, now turn around and face the crowd uh, forward a little bit. I'm going to stand behind you. So uh, Warren, have, have I talked to you at all about what's going to happen? Uh, no. No idea? No. Right? Okay, so I'd, I'd like you to produce a piece of fruit for me, Warren. So if you wouldn't mind spreading your arms out like a tree, palms down, you've got nothing in your hand, all the way out, and then you know, face the crowd, close, concentrate. I don't know if you close your eyes really hard. Um, I would like an apple, if that'd be possible. So just grin, grunt, anything? Got anything? Nothing? No fruit? No apple? What? Could you, I'm, since Brian prayed for me, I'm not allowed to pick up any fruit heavier than a grape. What do you got there, Warren? Uh, I think it's a lime. It's a lime. I failed. Well, no, well, you mean not a complete failure. I mean, 
It's not a very good lime either, but it's a lime. Here you go. Thank you very much. Big help. I appreciate that, Warren. He's got, uh, he's got a good attitude. Uh, God uses fruit in the Bible uh, to help us understand where our actions come from, okay? Uh, fruit is mentioned 106 times in the Old Testament and 70 times in the New Testament. So that tells us it's repetitive. God wants us to understand what this means. So in Galatians 5, 16, on page 975 of your Bible, all these verses will be up on the wall as well. I'm going to read my NIV. It's just what I grew up with. It's easier for me to read. So uh, I'm going to read out of that. Uh, Paul's talking to the folks in Galatia in a letter that he wrote to them, and he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with, with, with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law." The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified in the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. You're going to notice in this section of Scripture that there are acts of the flesh, plural, and there is fruit of the Spirit, singular, okay? And, and that's important to know because all fruit produced by a believer is good fruit. It's all fruit. The acts are individual acts, many different kinds. So on one side, there, there's two worlds at war here within us. There is our old flesh. This is after you become a believer, you still got this old flesh you're lugging around. This is our sin nature, um, and this leads to death. And before we came to know the Lord, uh, this is where all our actions came out of. Everything we, we, we did came out of our flesh. On the other side, we have the Holy Spirit. After you come to know the Lord, God gives you the Holy Spirit, and uh, he, he guides and directs us. And the Holy Spirit is what produces the fruit in our life. We're not producing the fruit. The Holy Spirit's producing it. We're not capable of producing the fruit. These are the words of Jesus. Uh, For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of these evils come from inside and defile a person. These evils come from inside of us. They're like a genetic disease, okay? The human heart is bent towards selfishness and sin, always. Um, what makes this worse is uh, Satan often gets the blame for those acts, and uh, the human heart is bent towards this. Satan takes those weaknesses then, and he takes our bad fruit, and he makes very bad rotten fruit. Okay, we're only capable of producing bad fruit on our own. So 
For example, uh, each of us maybe leans towards anger at some time or another, or maybe some of you do. Satan merely takes advantage of that anger and exploits it. Um, I might get irritated and impatient with my words, uh, but with Satan's temptations and his inspiration and my willingness to cooperate, I might explode with anger or rude demeanor, um, uh, just imagining ways to get even. So Satan takes things and make it worse. This is how we get to the point of sexual abuse or uh, physical abuse, school shootings, mass murders. Satan takes these, these fleshly acts and just uh, magnifies them. Uh, I was terrible at math, uh, but um, Bill gave me a good analogy. It's human flesh equals X amount of sin. Human flesh equals X amount of sin. Human flesh with Satan's temptation is X squared. Satan magnifies everything. So I want to be clear that our flesh is the initial source of those actions, but Satan makes things much, much worse. Like I said, it's genetic. This is how we were born. You see it in the youngest kids, the oldest adults. Does anybody have to teach a child how to take a toy from another child if they see it and want it? The answer to that is no. Um, when my, uh, um, my boys are the same as every other child in this room. When they were really young and learning what the word no meant, uh, house plants in our, in our house were always a temptation. And so with both our boys, the, you know, we'd, we'd teach the word no, we'd do what we could, but there always came a moment where that house plant was about more than they could handle. And so they'd wander over there, you know, and the, the old finger would go out real slow, and they'd look behind them like, it, it, it's, it's in us. We're born with it. Um, it's a spiritual battle between our old flesh and our spirit in Christ. So the Apostle Paul backs this up in Romans 7, 18, 25. He says, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Warren Stuber, me, the Apostle Paul, every single person in this room has the same we're in the same boat. There are visible acts coming from our flesh, and there are, there's fruit coming from the Spirit, but I can't carry out that good fruit. It's, in the whole, it's either the Holy Spirit or our flesh. So I want to take a second here and address that verse, that section in the middle, where Paul says, I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a very, that word live in there is incredibly important. Um, the Bible's clear in multiple places that as believers, we are going to stumble, okay, occasionally. King David was an adulterer and a murderer, but he was yet a man after God's own heart. Peter lived with Christ. I mean, basically studied under Christ as a tutor, as a teacher, um, denied having known Christ hours after being with him. There are tons of examples of this. Our flesh will occasionally win out. But the person who lives like this proves themselves not saved, okay? Uh, one commentator said uh, the key words here are whoever lives like this, or in some of the translations it uses the word practice. This indicates an ongoing action, okay? It's a continual, habitual practice of these things which marks a person as unregenerated and therefore barred from the kingdom of God, uh, I'm going to tell you a little story about a guy. I think his name's Rob uh, from 12 Stones. He came into the conference here. He, uh, 12 Stones is one of the uh, counseling services we use sometimes out in Indiana. And uh, Rob shared his own testimony. And he said before he, he came to the Lord as an adult, and before he came to the Lord, he was a very profane person, 
even profane people thought he was profane. He said the language that flowed from his mouth was, was horrific. And that's the way his flesh and his brain was trained. And then he came to know the Lord. Well, guess what? It didn't go away. It, it just, that's the way the flesh was. His flesh was still there tempting him to say these things. And so he, he realized that this isn't right. He shouldn't be doing this. But he couldn't fully control it. He, it came in increments. So at first it was, instead of saying four curse words in a sentence, he only said two. And then he made it down to one after a while. And then, uh, and then it was, none came out, but they all popped into his brain. And, and he said it was a year before he went from where that wasn't the first thing into his brain and the first thing out of his mouth. It took a full year for that to go away after he became a believer. So... Um, Rob's practice or living out indicated that the Holy Spirit was working in him. His practices changed over time because of the Holy Spirit. So um, the same uh, comment, commentary from earlier also said, and this will be up on the wall, Scripture always assesses a person's character on the basis of his common habitual actions, not his occasional ones. People who habitually engage in sin show themselves to be enemies of God People who habitually do good show themselves to be children of God. Each will occasionally do the opposite, but the difference is in the living out or the practice of doing something. Rob's practice, his living out of the old ways changed, and that's how we know the Spirit is alive and well in Rob. So I'm going to give you some examples of the past two weeks personally that have come out of my life um, that maybe have not been through the Spirit. Uh, I have been short with Paula on occasion this week. I'll confess that, maybe the past few weeks. Uh, I've been frustrated in some of the situations I found myself in in the past few weeks and allowed my flesh to act out. So my attitude when my back went out and I you know, go, to the, go to the doctor and, and they prescribe medicine and you know, five hours later I drive to Costco to get the medicine and it's not ready. Um, okay, that's fine. I'll wait the half an hour. And so I sit down in a chair and then they come out and say, well, your medicine, we can't fill it tonight. It's a restricted something or other, and we've got to call your doctor's office, but they're closed. Well, I'm thinking, you got this thing five hours ago. What, what is the problem? Now I've got to wait all night and then come back tomorrow after they approve it and after everything gets done. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'll, I'm not going to lie. Uh, uh, I was not in a great mood. Um, these are acts of the flesh allowing my old self to be in the driver's seat of my life, even as a believer. Uh, I don't want to act that way, but sometimes that just kind of pops out. So remember what the Apostle Paul said, and this is not an excuse. Um, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. And I'm not alone in this. So I, I got a few examples. There'll be some pictures up on the wall here. Uh, I have a, a, a list of a few areas in my life that chronically produce bad fruit for me. Um, or bad, bad acts. And maybe some of you can relate to these. Uh, lane discipline while driving. The right lane is for slow traffic. The left lane is for passing only. This might be news to some of you. I'm, I'm just hoping to get it out there. Uh, <laughs> if you cannot pass the car in front of you in less than 15 seconds, stay in the right lane. Matter of fact, everybody... <laughs> Everybody should be in the right lane all the time unless you're actively passing somebody in 15 seconds or exiting left. Other than that, the, the left lane should be empty. Okay, if you're going one mile an hour faster than somebody, kick the crews off, get around them, 
put your cruise back on to one mile an hour. I don't want to follow you for 10 miles. My blood pressure goes up just thinking about it. <laughs> Turn signals. They are there for a reason. I was just sitting down here at Route 9 the other day, and some, or I'm sitting across from some lady. I'm going straight. She's going straight, right? We meet at Route 9 in the middle, and she's going to Pekin. I have no idea which way she's going. That's what the things in the car are for. Four-way stops. Are they really this confusing? There's three rules. Whichever car gets there first goes first. If two cars get there at the same time, the guy on the right has the right-of-way. And if two cars are across from each other, they both go, they both go but the, left, the one turning left waits. That's it. That's it. The car left doesn't go first just because you got there. You both go. Easy. I got a couple more. <laughs> Children. <laughs> Restaurants and airplanes. I actually took this picture on a flight to California. All the way to California. <laughs> your, child looking, your child looking over the seat at me while I'm at a restaurant at Culver's or whatever, or where, okay, um, that it doesn't, it doesn't elicit a spirit-filled response in me. Your, your child's behavior is cute to you and maybe the grandparents, and outside of that, it's irritating. <laughs> Just know that. One more about kids. Buffet lines and family meals, family-style meals. <laughs> I am a germaphobe. Uh, maybe, I don't think I'm a huge one. Some people maybe think I am. Uh, but children's fingers and cleanliness do not go hand in hand. Watching kids touch eight items before they grab the one they want does not elicit a spirit-filled response in me. I don't know what body part they picked before they were in that food, but I guarantee you they picked a body part. Okay, this is getting a little more serious now. How did we do during COVID? Can I ask that? I looked back recently at some of our COVID updates. Uh, I was looking back at our old videos just to see uh, you know, quality changes, audio, things like that, if we were improving, and I got back to some of our old COVID videos. It brought back, I was not prepared for it, it brought back a flood of emotion and stress in me. I could feel it instantly. Um, the way some people acted during that time to put stress on the leadership team uh, and the decisions that were made and things like that, that uh, it made my stomach churn just watching an update that had no stress with it at all. Um, so how would you treat the school board or the administration during that time, the school administration? How would you treat some of the store owners or their employees when every store seemed to be doing something different and we had no idea when you walked in a store what the rule would be or how it would be enforced or followed? Uh, how do we treat them? Politics. Do we see love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control coming out of any part of politics? I googled, you know, crooked politicians and the, the top 50 came up first. That was just the picture on the top 50. So let me ask you then about the politician you support, not just politicians in general. What kind of fruit are you seeing from their lives? Are we seeing fruits of the spirit or acts of the flesh? Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions and factions, 
envy, drunkenness, and the like. Did I not just describe every politician in the United States, save a few, and possibly the world? That's our, that's, our hope is not in Washington, D.C., or anything they do. Our hope is in the Lord. This is going to fail. So I think um, I said this is one of the most applicable sections in Scripture, so I think it's time we get down to how do we apply it. And the very first thing is, is, uh, is self-discernment, introspection. Since it's primarily for ourselves, I'm going to plainly ask the question, who is in control of your life? Is it your flesh or is it the Holy Spirit? Paul is plainly telling us in Galatians how we discern who's in control. Ask yourself these questions. Do I see joy in my life? And I have a quick humorous story uh, before, I get, before I go down this list. Uh, I, I shared this with Brian. I am on the phone trying to schedule an MRI through a third-party service with medical terms I don't understand, and somebody's missing something on a sheet of paper as I'm making this PowerPoint. As I'm typing this slide, I am being frustrated beyond belief by somebody who missed a check mark on a piece of paper, and I'm trying to connect that check mark through two different people, and I'm typing, do I see joy in my life in a PowerPoint? <laughs> the Lord has a sense of humor. Am I gentle? Do I have self-control? Am I kind? Am I faithful? Those are all evidences of the Holy Spirit working inside of you. If the flesh is control, in control, ask questions like, uh, do I want to prove myself right? Is my first reaction anger? Am I self, do, 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 I, do I try to defend myself constantly? Am I creating division? Are you a pot stirrer? Do you like to kind of stir the pot and watch, watch the ripples go across the pond? Am I envious? You see, I can't endlessly show compassion because compassion does not reside in my flesh. It's just not there. I cannot be joyful because I am not a joyful person by nature. I can't be endlessly kind because kindness isn't in me. If you're not a believer and you, 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 can, you can do some kind acts, you can do, you, you can, some of these things can be imitated. You can be a nice person and things like that, but your life overall will not show that as a constant fruit. The Holy Spirit is the only thing that makes that fruit grow or come out of you. So I spent the whole time here talking about the problem, right? This, this flesh problem. Paul gives us the problem and the solution all in the same set of verses. We read the first couple verses of it earlier, but I'm going to repeat those. Romans 7, 18, 25. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Now I want to pause and let this sink in for a second. This is the Apostle Paul speaking these words. He, the Apostle Paul can't do what he wants to do. Uh, this man was completely changed by the Holy Spirit in a matter of days, weeks, whatever it was. He went from persecuting Christians to becoming a Christian, and then he went to jail for, for proclaiming the gospel and was joyful about being there. This is him saying these things. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is a sin living in me. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin 
at work within me. What a wretched man I am. So Paul just articulated in the last couple of sentences all the problems that we have. But he offers a solution. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. God delivers us through Jesus Christ. Jesus is our rescuer. We first have to realize our wretchedness, as Paul said, what a wretched man I am. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? God understands it. He understands the heart of man, and he provided a way out. We need to agree with God that we are indeed wretched individuals, and there's nothing we can do to resolve the problem. We're lost without him. That means we, we have to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is our only salvation. We, we agree with God and we acknowledge that Jesus is our salvation. And if you've done those things, you're a believer, that is awesome. I'm so happy for you. If you have not done that, there is no better time than now. There's people that would love to pray with you after the service or explain it if you, want more, if you have more questions. Um, it, there's nothing better and there's no, nothing more important in your life right now. And if you went through this uh, last half an hour, 25 minutes, um, and you are a believer, and you're thinking more often than not, my flesh is in control, uh, then I've got some awesome news. Uh, we can repent of those things and let the Holy Spirit work in us. Uh, Martin Luther once said that all of life is repentance, meaning that during our life, we should be humbly repenting of sin anytime we see it. And anytime we see our flesh working, that is sin. So be honest with yourself and regret your sin instead of making excuses for it. Pluck off the bad fruit, cut off the sin, and when you see your need for repentance, that repentance includes a confession to God, a confession to the person you sinned against, it includes reconciliation, restitution, and then restoration follows. That's what true repentance looks like. Nothing in your heart is a surprise to God. Nothing. He knew everything you would do, and he still loved you enough to send his son to die. So God wants to make something beautiful out of you. Will you cooperate? What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for washing away my leprous spots, Lord. Those stains in our flesh. And when we stand before your throne, completely healed from all this yuck, and the flesh is gone, we can stand there because, because you paid it all, Lord. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.